0: Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Will Nettleton, Pastor of Mission and Worship here at LMPC, and this is a Pillar and Ground Confession episode. In our Confession episodes, we seek to understand and apply the truths in our Westminster Confession of Faith. And this week, we turn our attention to paragraph four of chapter eight. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you'll recall chapter eight is about Christ, the mediator. And paragraph four that we're looking at today focuses on that office of Christ as our mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But what does it mean that Jesus was our mediator? If you remember our discussion of covenants in chapter seven, you may remember that we talked about Jesus being a second Adam, as Paul uses that language, both both in Romans and first and second Corinthians. Adam was our representative in the covenant of works where God promised him and his posterity life for his personal, perfect and perpetual obedience and death to him and his posterity if he disobeyed. And of course, we know what happened in Genesis 3. Adam sinned, and because he was acting as our representative, we all fell in him and with him. So we were left with the problem. How can we have a relationship with God when he is holy and we are sinful, when the terms of the covenant have been broken? And the answer we found out in our study of chapter 7 is that God in his kindness instituted another covenant, the covenant of grace. And he offered us a new representative in Jesus who can keep the covenant in the way that Adam did not. He will perfectly obey the law. He will die the death for our failures to keep the law so that we can be in right relationship with God. In short, he will be our mediator. And so paragraph four unpacks what all that entails. What did Jesus have to do to mediate between God and us? So let me read paragraph four, and then we can unpack it together. This office the Lord Jesus most willingly undertook. And in order to discharge its obligations, he was born under the law and perfectly fulfilled it. He endured most grievous torments in his soul and most painful sufferings in his body. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He remained under the power of death. Yet his body did not undergo decay. And he arose from the dead on the third day with the same body in which he had suffered. In this body he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of his Father, making intercession, and he shall return to judge men and angels at the end of the age. So this paragraph begins by pointing out that Jesus most willingly undertook this office of mediator. It's important to say that because no one made him do it. Jesus says in John 10, for this reason the father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Brian pointed out in his episode on on paragraph 1 of chapter 8, the language of, it pleased God to appoint Jesus as our mediator. And here we find that it pleased Jesus to accept that appointment. We cannot say it enough. Look at how much God loves us. The Father is pleased to send the Son. The Son willingly comes, all for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. And so the confession says that Jesus willingly undertook this office of mediator. And from there, it actually begins to unpack all that Jesus does to fulfill the duties of that office. So it says, in order to discharge its obligations, he was born under the law and perfectly fulfilled it. So what that means is that Jesus willingly subjects himself to the terms of the covenant. Galatians 4, 4 reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Being under the law means that Jesus must personally, perfectly, and perpetually keep every part of it, just as Adam was supposed to. And this is actually, I think, something we should marvel at, because we also have to remember who Jesus is as the second person of the Trinity, that he is also the author of the law. He's the one above it all. And in coming to earth and being our representative, being our second Adam, he submits himself to the law. It says he must be sinless, and so he did and was. That's part of how he discharges the obligations of the office of mediator. He keeps the law perfectly. So Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, or perhaps if you've been keeping up with our current sermon series in Deuteronomy, you know we just finished our study of the Ten Commandments. And if you have been listening to those, you know how deep each of those commandments go, how difficult they are to keep in thought and word and indeed every moment Of your life. And the Bible tells us that Jesus did that. From the moment he was born, he loved the Lord his God with his whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and his neighbor as himself. He never dishonored his parents. He never looked on somebody with lust. He never envied anyone. He never carried God's name lightly. He perfectly fulfilled the law of God. And he did that as our mediator, he fulfilled it on our behalf. But the confession doesn't stop there. Jesus didn't just live the perfect life of obedience that we failed to live. He also suffered the penalty for our failure to keep it, even though he himself never failed to keep it. So the confession says that he endured most grievous torments. And notice the order here in his soul and most painful sufferings in his body. So the confession mentions the torments of his soul before they talk about the painful sufferings of his body. If you're listening to this as we release it, we've just come off of Holy Week, and often as we reflect on Christ's suffering uh, around the time of Easter, we can zero in on the physical part. Uh, Jesus is suffering when the, the crown of thorns is put on his head, the brutal whippings, the nails driven through his hands as he's crucified. Perhaps some of you, like me, I, I remember in high school going to see Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ in theaters and just being overwhelmed at the gore of what Jesus endured physically. And to be sure, I mean, he he really did. He suffered an awful death. There's no question that he suffered immense physical pain and that he did that too, all for us. But the confession rightly notes that it's important to realize there was a deeper suffering happening. What the confession calls the most grievous torments in his soul. Long before the physical torments began, Jesus had begun to experience the weight of the penalty for our sin. Matthew twenty six thirty seven tells us as he enters the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, he said, it says, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Of course, it's actually at this moment that he asks the Father if the cup can pass from him, if there's any other way. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we know from Luke's gospel that at this point he begins to sweat blood in his anguish. What is happening? Why is Jesus experiencing all of this? Well, we believe he's beginning in this moment to feel the magnitude of the penalty for sin. God's wrath is beginning to be poured out. He's beginning to drink the cup. And of course, the next day, the rest would be poured out on the cross. Until finally he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He loses so much of the sensible sense of of, uh, God's fatherly affection for him. And all of that he did for us. The confession goes on to note that as a part of being our mediator, Jesus died and was buried. So this is important because the penalty promised to Adam for breaking the covenant was death. As Romans says, the wages of sin is death. And so in order to mediate for us and bear the full penalty, Jesus had to die. And so, the Confession rightly notes, he did, and he was buried, and his body lay there lifeless until the third day. Until, of course, that glorious Easter morning when Jesus rose from the dead. The penalty paid, the wealth of his righteousness secured, he rose. The resurrection is at the heart of the Christian faith because it, it signifies that all that went wrong in Genesis 3, and, and of course throughout the rest of the story of the Bible, in our own experience, every day in this world, has now been made right in Jesus. He has paid the debt for our law-breaking. He has lived a life of perfect obedience, and He offers that life to us. The resurrection says that all the checks have cleared. If the wages of sin are death, then sin has been paid in full. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Our deaths now are simply the sowing of a seed that will bear beautiful fruit at the resurrection of the dead. But Jesus didn't stop being our mediator once He rose from the dead. The confession notes that having fulfilled the law's demand and demands and having paid the penalty for our sin, Jesus rose again from the dead with the same body that He had before He died. And He ascended in that same body into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Meaning, the work of redemption is now finished. Now Jesus, Romans 8.34 tells us, sits at God's right hand interceding for us, still mediating. Hebrews 7.25 tells us He lives to make intercession for us. And 1 John 2.1 tells us He is our advocate with the Father. Jesus is now continuing His work. He's gathering His church by His Holy Spirit. He's preparing us for heaven, even as He prepared heaven for us, until that day when He comes again to judge the world. And though that day will be terrible for those who have refused to turn to Him, it will be a great day for those of us He has redeemed. For he has been a perfect mediator for us. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in Romans 8.1. So we look forward to that day because we look forward to entering the joy of our master. Jesus has paid it all for us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pillar and Ground. We hope you will join us again soon.